0: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Mad Mom Lukes I'm Mahin and I'm joined today by my co host Sim. On today's show, we have the honor of welcoming back Dr. Jonathan Brown, aka Jack. Jack, uh, welcome back to the Mad Mom Lukes Always a pleasure to have you on. Assalamu Michael.
1: Wa alaikum, assalam. And uh, kind of maybe just a little bit late, I'm Mubarak.
0: Oh, but Edmo brought Edmo to you Barra. as well. Um, so I understand you just got back from uh, Turkey. I know we were talking via email trying to schedule the show, and what were you doing up there, yeah, how long were you there for?
1: Um I was in Turkey actually for about a month um because well, first of all, my wife's parents live there, so we kind of we were going for our kid you know visit her family and our kids see their grandparents and everything and so then. I taught, I also taught at this summer school in Bosnia. So I went for a few days to Sarajevo and taught there. And uh, that's the triple IT summer school in um, Sarajevo, which I recommend people go. If they live in Europe, then you can go to that. It's very good. And then I taught at this, uh, Bahsan program in Istanbul, which is the first year they've run. It's run by some young Turkish, uh, students who had studied, who studied in the U.S. or are still studying in the U.S., some of them. And it was great. There was it was excellent. They brought some terrific teachers, including myself. And they had really good students and they were from all over the world. And uh, I I thought it was a terrific experience. And then, you know, for the rest of the time I hung out with my wife's family and, and
0: ate a lot of food. Sure. Now uh, do you speak Turkish?
1: Not very really well. I speak um I can read a little bit better than I speak. My spe- Turkish is a hard language whoa it's hard i mean i've learned some like i learned my my minor in college was russian i learned latin arabic and persian and turkish blows all of them away it's really hard it's like a mind it is it is a mind uh, not i should say it's really (laughs) tough right but uh reading it is easier especially old turkish because it's like mostly arabic and persian and yeah. um, oddly enough, despite the fact I spent a lot of time there, my per- Turkish is getting worse, which is really weird. I don't understand how that happens. I think I'm just becoming one of these Americans who expects everyone to understand them when they go abroad just speaking English.
2: Yeah. Which right. is, well, My me and my wife were thinking about visiting Turkey, but we can't decide on how long we need to go. Any recommendations on uh, first-timers visiting Turkey? It and...
1: depends. If you just want to go to Istanbul, if you want to go to other places, I mean, you can spend – Easily a week just in Istanbul seeing stuff, and then you could spend, you know, two weeks would be probably a good amount if you want to go to Istanbul and then a few other cities.
0: Gotcha. Right. I mean, do you go every year to see your in laws?
1: Yeah, I go to Turkey a lot. I go, I mean, I'm going to go in two weeks and then I'm going to go in a month after that, inshallah. So I go, I go to Turkey anywhere from, you know, three to at least three times a year, probably. Sure. Just I, for various things, to conferences, things like
0: that. I do want to ask you, I, I saw somebody, uh, one of my f- uh, friends on Facebook uh, had posted uh, something where uh, Erdogan was talking about the plight of the Rohingya Muslims and he was mm-hmm. like, Ur- Erdogan is the Khalifa. <laughs> um, you uh, know, obviously,
2: he, a lot I of I don't people... know about that. I think we have some low standards for <laughs> being a Khalifa.
1: I mean, uh, look, it's great that he... Um... It's great that he highlighted this plight that a lot of people are silent, although it seems like in the last couple of days there's been a lot more, um, you know, vocal, uh, concern about their plight and a lot of people calling out, the uh, the, um Burmese government, or the Myanmar government for, for what they're allowing to happen and stuff. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's great. Any, anytime there's a Muslim leader who even has a shadow of a conscience, it's an improvement.
2: Well, uh, you know, th- it just bothers me. I And I love Erdogan in terms of the positive steps he's taken in uh, accepting Islam as a, mm-hmm. a, a part of society in, in Turkey, in a secular Turkey. But, um, you know, this is one of the largest armies in the world. And they certainly have the capability of, of sending ships over there. And... and not necessarily going to war with Burma, but at least uh, sending a message, you know, in, in in a way to the Burmese government that, hey, you know, cut it out. There are consequences to, to genocide, essentially, right? So it, it just kind of bothers me uh, that, I mean, there were, I remember during the intifada of the late 90s or, sorry, early 2000s, r- right before 9-11, I remember one of the Gulf countries sending a truckload of... Slingshots to the Palestinians, uh-huh. and I'm like, "Well, that's such a pathetic attempt." But then there, I saw Muslims like, "Oh, rejoicing about it, saying that, you know, this is such a great thing that the the Gulf countries are doing, sending slingshots to the Palestinians." And I'm like, "I mean, the these are these are countries with militaries and weapons, and uh-huh. you know, I I, just, I don't know. It just, to me, it just the." Uh,
1: Well, I mean, the problem is that, you know, when you, there's, you know, when you, it's not just a small thing to, to go and send forces to another country. I mean, there's issues of sovereignty and there's, you know, a country, any country that did that would just face tremendous, uh, uh, opposition, not, not necessarily because people support what the, the targeted country is doing, um, but because it's just such a big deal for a country to involve itself militarily in another country's sovereign affairs, I mean, that's, that's yeah. a big deal. Uh, and it would be, you
2: know, um. But America does it all the, the time though, and everyone says, okay, well, uh,
1: usually it would do so under some umbrella of a UN resolution or something. And, uh, I mean, and things like when, you know, when Donald Trump launched those missiles at Syria, I mean, that was, that's like a really problematic action because you're, you know, you're you're in theory you're you're launching uh, attacks at a sovereign country, yeah. And that's that's not a small thing. I mean, um, hey, just the idea that you know the idea that you other country can go to war with another, can invade or, or or use force against another country to protect the rights of that country's inhabitants. That's a you know kind of a mid twenty mid to late twentieth century idea. That um, that that really uh, goes against the way that countries and states have thought about sovereignty for for centuries. Because, um, you know, it's it's a big. If someone says, "I can intervene in your affairs because I don't like the way you're treating people," then that you can imagine if you kind of that just opens a box to any country that can um, interfering in any country that it wants to. Uh,
2: yeah, but course, I mean, there's exceptions, right? Like, gen- this is genocide. I mean, we're not talking about any type of um, dealings that they're having with their citizens and how they're governing their citizens in terms of uh, taxes and social issues that might be occurring. But we're talking about well, genocide. Well, you that's know happening. what?
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. But you know, and again, I'm not advocating anything. I'm just trying to bring up yeah. different perspectives. Right. 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 Uh, which is that um, you know, there's sort of one school of international relations. I'm not an expert on this, but I, I think I'm right about this you know, the realist school, which is, you know, represented by people like uh, John Mearsheimer, University of Chicago, who, who argue that, uh, basically, that, that, you know, this kind of moral um, or humanitarian use of force overseas is, is not desirable and shouldn't be done, because it's, it just ends up, it never ends up working. I mean, it ends up you know, you can, you know, in the movies, you go know, and, you know, you can save the day of some group of civilians and they're grateful. But in reality, when that ends up happening is, I mean, look, look at the U.S., uh, look at the U.S. bombing against ISIS in Syria. I mean, they've killed, I think, some, uh, now over 700 people, I understand, civilians. This right. is just this week. I read in The Economist something like 700 civilians have been killed. I mean, uh, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, if you're bombing Iraq and Syria to try and kill ISIS and you're killing, Seven hundred thousand people, things like that. Then imagine that's the low number. Imagine it's like around maybe two thousand, more accurately. Imagine that. I mean, that's, that's you're getting close to the number of people that ISIS kills in terms of ISIS civili- killing civilians. Like, I mean, I'm not exactly how much sure how many people ISIS kills yeah. in terms of civilians, but I mean, I'm not. It's probably not orders of magnitude higher than that. And so, if if the, if the attempt to, to to help is causing as much destruction, or you know, even a large portion of the amount of destruction that you're trying to prevent, then it, it begs the question if it's really worthwhile. And it's it's hard to say, well, we should sit put while genocide occurs. But the realist school would say that um, this isn't going to end well. You know, whatever intentions you have, it's not going to end well. So, you know, you want to go help the people in Libya with fighting against Gaddafi. Well, it's not going to end well because now look what happened, you know, and you can never predict these things. You can never control the outcome. So it's better just not to add fuel to the fire. So that's one approach. Of course, the other approach is to say, look, there's some situations in which uh, such a massive injustice is being done, such a clear moral wrong is being perpetrated that uh, uh, anybody with the capacity to help out should. And um, that's, you know, probably what you're feeling. Right. Right. It's understandable, Uh, of course.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just low standards and, you know, so being so easily pacified, I remember just recently what... Trump uh, launching those airstrikes on those Syrian air, ba- air bases that were cleared off before anyone mm. even from the Russian side got hurt. Um, you know, and, and there were people ready to accept Trump in, into their household, Muslim families that were like, okay, I'm going to name my son Donald J. Trump. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I mean, just saying was, it was uh, s- uh, such yeah, low standard to be but was, I think we're just so desperate too as well. I mean, I'm not blind to that fact as well.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I think it's that was un, unfortunate. I mean, it just—I mean, I think that just goes to show how 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 kind of desperate the you know pro Syrian rebel, pro Syrian resistance lobbyists were in this country. And I'm—I I say that you know I'm, I'm I say that out of sympathy for them. I think that they had been trying really hard to get the U.S. to get involved militarily, whether it's through a no-fly zone, whether it's through more um, more assistance to to rebel groups, or um, but. You know that the the government under the Obama administration had been so reticent to to offer that kind of assistance um, and support that when the president did anything, uh, it was just like you know they they were elated.
0: So yeah, sure. So like um, one of the things we wanted to, we were talking offline before we got started was you know you, you, as a you're a tenured professor now, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So you, uh, mashallah. So um. You know, so you seem to be somebody who always does engage in a lot of like back and forth on social media, um, and whatnot. Um, like, w- w- what's your approach to that? Like, w- why do you? Like, a lot of people would say, like, well, we don't understand why Jack always plays in the mud. <laughs> um, why do you do that? Is that is that you something? Is a been, hobby? you been
1: talking to like all my relatives or something?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: No, they uh, there there is uh, you know there's fairly strong consensus amongst my my family members that I should not do this kind of stuff, and I you know I love and respect them. I love them and respect their their opinions.
2: Well, their uh, fear their fear for you is that they're you're going to get caught in saying something that you shouldn't, you know. And well, that's, I,
1: I think that's you know that's not. I don't know if that's so much their fear. I think it's more that. And look, this is, this is justifiable, which is they say, you know, this is not as, they said it's beneath you. You know, you're, you know, you write books and you write articles and, um, you know, this, these, why are you wasting your time, you know, going back and forth with these people who are just like trolls or just, uh, not serious people or, or just, you know, some kind of propagandist or something like that. So. Uh, why do you bother with this? And it's just wasting your time. And it demeans you. They say, you know, it demeans you or you're standing. And, um you know, I think they, they have a point yeah. uh, in the sense that I think that there's really limited value in um kind of the slogging out, mud, you know, mud wrestling stuff that you see on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. I mean, I don't do Twitter. Twitter, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I was on Twitter. I mean, I, when I first joined Twitter... I, I just was astounded by it's like a toilet. I mean, it's like the sewer. I mean, <laughs> Facebook is like a of like a realm of enlightened beings compared to Twitter. Twitter yeah. is just garbage, and, I mean, it, 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 that was just a you know, it was her. I mean, my, my my wife immediately was said, you know, you cannot send any tweets without my permission, and yeah. she basically took <laughs> she like, you know, I, I can't remember what she did you should change my password or something. I don't even know if I could send tweets. So I, I just, now I just tweet things that are, um, you know, if I write something or if I, um, I publish something, I tweet about that. Um, or sometimes I want to share an article or something, but I, I, I mean, with Twitter, I realize this is just, um, this is, uh, has no benefit. I mean, yeah. it's just a super,
2: I'll, I'll just <laughs> share my, my experience with you because I started off with, uh, when we started the, the mad mom looks handle on Twitter, we had zero followers and, we uh We saw the way like how well known people on Twitter were you know their model of gaining followers and gaining a, a any kind of following was to basically spew random thoughts that were going through their head throughout the day, retweeting and random thought anything that was like just crossed their mind, they're just tweeting it out yeah, and that's literally the formula to gain followers and i thought to myself i'm like i can't do this i i can't i can't be that guy who follows this kind of kind of formula i'm just gonna we're just gonna let it happen naturally have uh you know our our episodes be tweeted out every once in a while uh some of our guests tweets will retweet those on our handle and uh just uh slowly and surely we, we're at 2500 or something right now i don't care i i see people will have 25 to 30,000 followers and I've never heard of them in my life and they're, they they act like they're celebrities, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: some guy who like opening up toys for to, to show kids, like, right. you know, different new hey, Legos. Sim, can
0: we talk about your one tweet that you deleted? Oh, man. You really want to open up
2: that can of worms? Sure, why not?
1: Must have been really bad.
2: I I went after Robbie Yachol J, man. Oh, really? Oh,
1: hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I, um... You know, I have to say... I, uh, I have, you know, I have great esteem for Rabia Choudhury and I have affection for her and, um, agree with her on, on, you know, one specific thing. And I probably disagree with her on some CVE things, but, uh, she's a, she's a fellow Muslim American trying to do what she thinks is right. And I, I extend her, you know, I extend her greetings.
2: Yeah. I, I, what I said was,
0: um let's make some context because yeah, yeah. i think sim and i were originally interested in bringing her bringing her on Ted T- dad looks to talk about the adnan's the serial podcast which i enjoy mm-hmm. i don't know jack have you listened to the serial
1: i am maybe i am the only person i know who would never listened to it yeah not because i have anything against it i just i just didn't have time and i people everybody around me was obsessed with it yeah but
0: uh well was
2: just well, Sim <laughs> thinks that Adnan's guilty, right? Yes. Yeah. But- so I- I'm, I'm an ardent Adnan is guilty. You have to be honest. Uh, I don't believe in the theory of uh, the unluckiest guy in the world argument. You, you know when um, uh, a lot of managers at restaurants or you know in the retail industry will know um, there'll be always that one employee who will always call in sick and this happened to me and then my dog died and all these ridiculous excuses for them not to show up to work and is it possible all those events happen sure it's within the realm of possibility i mean it's uh it's definitely possible but um the likelihood is that you're a liar and you're just probably you know uh, lazy and you didn't show up so the, the it's that those are if i can make a you know uh, some kind of uh, parallel to a non-said story it, it is just a series of unbelievable mishaps that have happened for mm. him not to have killed this woman. I mean, mm. and, and well, the reason why I went after Rabia was that uh, she said something about the, that st- the sister who who was killed in Adam Setter. Remember in Adam Ramadan? Was, mm, not yeah. Bro, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she sent her out, sent out her condolences to it, and I'm like, wait a second, you're defending a murderer here, and mm-hmm. you're literally trying to get this guy off the hook for killing another, someone else's daughter, brutally murdering her. It was, it was like, wasn't it strangulation and whatever, something like that? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, when you're in that kind of line of work where you're trying to get a a murderer off the hook of killing a similar age a teenage daughter of someone it's a bit rich that you're now sending your condolences to someone else's family yeah. you know it, it just i would have understood you know you don't have to always say everything on social media like you could just keep it internal and make dua for that person but you know using your platform to in that respect, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I, I ended up deleting the comment because it wasn't representative of our, of our whole team. We have six, seven people in our team, and I didn't want to mm. be the person some that, of them, that. Some
1: of them are Adnan's innocent people.
2: Well, I, I think, I think so. Yeah, I, I think I, I think
0: Adnan's innocent, but like I, you know, Sim's always more of a skeptic than I am. I'm pretty gullible.
2: Here's what I did. Okay, I went, I talked to a couple people about this, and we went through all the different facts of the case, and we we really broke it down and i explained to him okay after all this do you really think that he's he's uh, innocent and you know they said you know he's probably guilty but he did his time you know and uh, you know now he's a hafiz and you know, we 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 ha- we should uh, he's our muslim brother and we should let him off the hook i'm like what <laughs> what yeah. i can't believe you're saying that this is you 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 need to be an agent of the truth i mean this like Getting him off of a technicality because he's a is <laughs> because he's a half, is he's repented, and you don't know that. He could I be mean, the biggest like, charlatan ever, yeah. you know. So that—that's my theory, at least. But, yeah. Well, well he also-
1: I mean, I uh, let me tell you what. Knowing nothing about this, let me tell you what I think. Um No, I'm just you know, it's, that was a joke. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny, but anyway, you guys didn't laugh. <laughs> You're lost, basically. uh I mean knowing nothing about this, let me speculate. I mean, look, I am just so having seen the way that prosecutors manipulate, I mean, prosecutors will say the worst stuff about people and they don't even, they know they can't prove it and they just throw everything against the person and, and see what sticks. And, uh, you know, and I think, uh, I, I have such skepticism about the, um, the way in which criminal justice system is abused in this country, especially against minorities that I, I just, um, I am sort of just default skeptical of any accusation against somebody. And, um, you know, if, if, so if, if someone, if if there's a, if there's a chance that they were innocent and that evidence was that the the system was manipulated and then overpowered them and things like that, I'm highly inclined to, to give that a, uh, you know or to, to give it a real hearing i don't yeah. uh I said i don 't know any of the details of this case, right. so I have no idea maybe i mean
2: it, it, I will say this much that his lawyer was completely inept inept yeah yeah yeah
1: i mean and that's um you know and that's and i, I think it's very you know I, it's very dangerous and i you know it's funny I, I get in this debate with my wife all the time about um you know certain people who are you know accused of things and and i i mean I really strongly believe. You know, you, I mean, innocent until proven guilty is a principle that is you, you, you have to apply it for everybody all the time. It doesn't matter how much you don't like them. It doesn't matter how horrible you think they are. Uh, you might think they're awful. You might never, you know, you might want to condemn them. But people are innocent until they're proven guilty. And that's that it's easy to do if you like somebody. It's easy to do if, if they're if, if, if it looks like they're innocent. But when it matters is when it looks like they're guilty. that's when you really have to insist on this principle and never and never fail in, in us in us applying it and calling for it to be applied.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I course, went with the reasonable was convicted, so
1: I mean I sure I have no different situation yeah. obviously I,
0: I I'm saying I'm, I'm not saying he's innocent in that like hundred percent. I'm just saying that I didn't feel like there was enough evidence. there was like reasonable doubt kind of like the OJ case. I still believe OJ's innocent too. But oh my
2: really? god no, no i mean i just don't I'm, i don't lost all credibility now
0: i don't know i just did, like i haven't revisited the case but i watched a documentary
1: how, how are you on the whole uh, 9-11 uh, thing
2: oh my god just, <laughs> just joking <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. okay Oh, the saudis not did talk it about
1: no. <laughs> we not talk about this issue. obviously yeah. uh, none of us uh would, would wait, wait us you
2: brought that. an interesting point though did you I mean, there's so many Muslims still in our, I won't say a majority. I don't think it's a majority, but you hear it enough that there's a lot of people who still don't believe that it was Muslims who orchestrated or planned it from the top down. I think a lot of people now are saying that, you know, um, Muslims probably have done it, but uh, uh, the the United States government looked the other way. Um,
1: Uh You know, I don't, um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, I remember Chris Hayes, I think it was on Bill Maher, a couple of years ago, Chris Hayes had this, it was probably in 2000, maybe 2012 or 2013, some new evidence had come out about how, like, the U.S. government had known about some intelligence, and I mean, I think this was just kind of confirming what had already been pretty obvious, which is that different... You know, intelligence agencies and different law enforcement agencies in the U.S. had all like the pieces of the puzzle, and just people hadn't connected the dots. Um, and and so, what's ironic is that you know the government asked for all these powers of you know of, of surveillance, of law enforcement, of, of persec- prosecution, of um, ability to access evidence, present evidence in the in the in the wake of the attack. But that in in fact, it, the government had never had never lacked capacity it just lacked, you know, the ability to synthesize information. And, um, so all these laws of the Patriot Act and all these other things have been passed and, you know, people's lives have been changed by them. And our notion of privacy, our notion of security has, has been changed probably irreversibly, but that in fact, none of that was necessary. It was just a, someone basically screwed up and that was it. And it just happened to be a bad screw up. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I tend to think more along those lines, is, you know, not to, not to get so obsessed with, with who did it because
0: yeah.
1: I mean, how, if, if the people who were supposedly did it, didn't do it, I mean, how the heck are we going to, how am I going to know that? What am I going to do like stare and watch videos and
2: that like, tower seven it's, though, it's, man?
1: I mean, I mean, how that, I mean, this is just tower seven, that that
2: mean,
1: was... to think that you're, I mean, to think that somehow you or I are going to be able to access information that. Would lead us to a conclusion that would be other than the official one. I, I just am so skeptical yeah, of that. So I'm true. basically agnostic about all this stuff, just because it's uh, you know what what possible evidence are we going to have that would overcome the official
2: right. story? I mean, how would we know? Yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, wrapping up the whole point about that tweet. Uh, it was the, it was in Ramadan, the last ten nights. Thankfully, it was an even night, but he ruined my away that night. Because (laughs) I don't know. I I think you sent us a. I I had I made the mistake of checking my phone between like four o'clock. Yeah, and then I think you sent us a screenshot of it. And then, like, within 15 minutes, my phone started blowing up.
2: Oh, my God, yeah. You know, and so, like, I had to I had to leave. That was, this was, Jack, this was our first Twitter drama or social media drama that we really caused. Yeah. So, everyone's, like, phone's buzzing. Uh, like, I don't think she even read it. What year, what
1: year was
2: this? This, year, just, this? this past Ramadan. This past Ramadan.
1: Okay. Wait, the one that just happened? Yeah. yeah, or yeah, yeah. the one, like.
0: Yeah, because was right after the number of murder, right? The whole. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I forgot
2: about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I don't yeah, know how you guys well, handle it man oh, I, I don't I don't know you how you guys keep on like dealing with controversies after controversy because you're you're like a veteran of this This was my first time, and I'm like, "Whoa, you know, mommy, help me <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: or like or like or double, like, like yeah like I, I know we we have some f- friends on social media that like are are ardent supporters of the magnum Lukes, but they they always tell us you guys don't double down enough we you know if you take a stand, don't like back off and be like nice just double down more. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's your take on That's part of the social media culture. You don't, I mean, that's kind of what Trump did to get a, I mean, that's his whole mantra.
1: I, I, it kind of depends. So it, it, I think it really depends on what your, you know, sort of what your like profession is or what your place in life is. So one of the things about being a professor that's tough as well, I mean, I'm not complaining. I, that's a great job. It's the only thing I would be able to do. And I'm very grateful and unfortunate. Um, but, you know, is that you, you're held to a really high standard in terms of, because if I write something that's inaccurate, I will never hear the end of that. Like that's, if you're a journalist and you write something inaccurate, you know, whatever, you will be, you're, you write so much, people just move on, they don't care. If you're a professor and you make even small mistakes, uh, people will really, it, it really will start just, uh, detracting from your credibility. So you have to be very careful about what you write just in terms of its accuracy. And, uh, then, you know, you also expected whether or not this is correct expectation, but you're expected to kind of have a more mature posture to, to not engage in really kind of dirty, nasty name calling and stuff like that. And, um, and so I think that, that kind of, that really puts some restrictions on, on the way you can act in social media. And, uh, you know I, I think so some of the stuff you you see online is just so dirty and that's not the ever kind of stuff I would ever get in get involved in um for me you know I try to make it about the issues not about people and so you know even through we talked once about the mli thing like you know I don't i mean maybe once or twice I've I've, I've gotten sucked into saying something personal about somebody but i i mean i think that's almost everything i do is just talking about the issue like this is the issue this is the issue it's not about people it's not about the individual or nothing against the individuals. i have a specific problem with this decision or this action or this policy or this program so i mean i think that if you try and, and stay on the issues then um you know you'll stay clean of some of the dirtier aspects of what social media dog fighting can become
2: well you, you're no stranger to the recent controversy from uh and, how and, recent? <laughs> I'm talking about like 4 or 5 months ago I think uh there oh, was uh, yeah I mean yeah yeah that
1: was that was unpleasant.
2: Yeah, I, well, well tell us about, about a little bit about it. What what happened? Because uh, it seemed like something serious was going down in terms of people just really going after your workplace. And I saw that again going back to uh Ravi Chowdhury again, she she was doing the same thing where she was like tweeting not just at you, Jonathan Brown, but also at the, your workplace, you know, like somehow it, it seems like it's a, the way that we approach any type of discussion is that, hey, you really want to say this? Well, let's include your work, workplace as well in, in this discussion, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like first first move is try to get someone fired, you know. Um, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I've never I would not try to, I don't think I would never try and get someone fired uh, I think that would be, I just, it wouldn't occur to me as, I mean, how does that, I mean, what is that really going to accomplish? I mean, it just, you're going to hurt somebody and deprive them of their livelihood. And I'm not really sure how that would be, especially another Muslim. I mean, how, why would you right. want to do that? It's just kind of par for the course. It's this sort of, you know, you mentioned call out culture, you know, which I wrote a blog post about. And I actually think there's a lot, I mean, I, I sort of support a lot of elements of call out culture. So I don't, I'm not, um sort of a diehard critic of it. I think a lot of us I think it's a way of actually uh uh achieving and affecting change in a system that has been really uh hostile to change on issues like race and social justice. So I, I think it has a lot of benefits. But I think the one of the, the bad sides about it is that it's it it's only worked because it, it's a really a slash and burn approach. You know, you uh basically like some rich white guy is not gonna change anything unless you really go after him. Yeah. um And that's true. Like that's that's actually accurate. So I mean I understand that. But the problem is once people get kind of inured into that approach to things, then everything is just immediately like, you know, guns blazing. You know, we get this dude, get the person fired. You know, getting this dude. Yeah, this person's a monster, right? So there's just you go from zero to a hundred, uh and you kind of pull out all the stops immediately. And I think that's you know you lose the capacity to engage in reasoned discussion to 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 try and convince people privately, or to try and uh, conv- you know try and have them as your ally and not necessarily as your targets.
0: Yeah. Do you think there are exceptions though? Like, I know I don't have a position on this, but I just want to get your take. Like after Charlottesville, a lot of folks started like finding pictures of the people who were at the protests on Friday night. Yeah. And then calling them out and like call, reporting that their employers, and people were getting fired. Yeah, you know, know, and people
2: were like, I, I I'm not really the, that racist. One of the guys was identified by his tattoos. Yeah. And they sent his picture to his workplace and he got fired. So one guy, though, like, unfortunately, yeah, I mean,
1: the. I I, I I I want to be clear. I mean, I'm not saying that there's it's never a right to do that. Right. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if you're um, I mean, so let's just you know, I wouldn't let this Let's just take so let's say I disagree with um uh let's say I really disagree with uh you know a Muslim who who's saying something about uh an you know, American foreign policy or something. Uh I mean I'm not gonna try and get that person fired. I mean I'm not sure why that's what is that gonna accomplish other than I mean I'm not gonna uh I mean, I'm just gonna probably create sympathy for that person and and uh, sympathy for their position, and I'm going to look like a jerk and a victimizer. And so, I, but I mean, I think you know, know, if someone is like at a Nazi rally and they're chanting, you know, all sorts of horrible racist Nazi slogans or something, then yeah, they probably you know that they should be accountable for that speech, and their employer should know about who they are. I I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that you know, again, as I said, that you know, kind. <laughs> Call out cult- let's just call it call out culture, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of, uh, you know, various movements for social justice and civil rights that, um, achieved change and, imp- and, 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 and had an impact because they realized that you can't, you know, you can't be really just polite and sort of engage in this politics of respectability. You know, you have to make people feel pain or they're not going to change and they're not going to take action. And, uh, you know, unless you, unless you show a company, for example, that, that, that their, pol- that their positions they take are actually going to end up affecting their bottom line, they're not going to change their policies. Yeah. So you have to, you know, make them, make it hurt. And that's, it's terrible because, you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's awful to inflict pain or whatever we're talking, obviously metaphorically here. Um, but it's been shown time and time again that in the United States, at least this is one of the only ways to, this is the way you affect change. Um, especially amongst the powerful and mm-hmm. so uh, and this and the elite and so that's i i completely understand that but the problem as like i said is that once you you know and that it might be actually a good tactic to use with people you know these guys who go to the Charlottesville protest and they think that they can just go and have these noxious views and no one's ever going to know about it no one's ever going to pay a price and they're never going to pay a price right um and then they you know, it might be a good thing to show them that's not the case and to if you wanna go and have these Nazi views, then that's fine, but you better realize that you're gonna have to show your face in public. But uh, you know, that doesn't mean that this should be done for every disagreement between people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I don't well, personally I don't worry about somebody reporting me to my company HR for well, anything I say on Mad Mum looks. The,
2: the thing is is that two, three years ago uh, social justice was seen as something righteous, you know? Right. I I never heard of anything uh,
0: negative negative about it.
2: Nobody made fun of it, but now everyone's making fun of it. Like social justice warrior, you're in, you know, it's now a pejorative term now Mm -hmm. because,
1: well, I mean, but you have to, you know, don't, okay. So I wouldn't, I'd say that's sort of a false, um, course or a false course you've charted in, in your mind. Right. What I mean by that is that, okay. Uh, that's like saying, you know, um, uh, five years ago, nobody was critical of this person, and now this person is really famous, and now people are critical of them. Okay, but I mean, of course, people are going to become critical of somebody when their person is is better known, and when that person is starting to have an impact. Suddenly, there are people who don't like that impact, or there are people who are jealous, or there are people who are just vindictive, right? So, you know, I, I would try and, uh, obviously, there's a lot of criticism of so let's just say social justice warriors. I know that's a pejorative term, but let's just use that term. Right. There's a lot of criticism and it comes from the people that are targeted by those social justice warriors. Right? right. So if you're, you know, a rich, if you're the man, right, you're like the like rich white guy who, you know, makes his money off uh, minorities, the owner of the America, Clippers, for so. example. Yeah, okay. I don't know anything about sports, but that was that guy, right? Yeah, okay, So knows if you're him. like the ultimate the man, right? If you're the man, obviously you're going to be critical of social justice activists. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody who supports those, that, that person is going to be. That doesn't mean that, that that criticism is valid. Um, so I think you have to distinguish between criticism that is sparked by or that comes from parties who are losing standing or, uh, things like that. Um, versus criticism that is either from other people of the same kind of place on the political spectrum as these social justice activists or some people who, 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 who share their concerns and share their objectives, but disagree with some of their tactics, right? So there's, those are different kinds of criticisms. And I think that a lot of the criticism you see is, uh, from people who don't want those kind of changes to occur. But also, uh, and look, some of it is, is, People who are, you know, think that it sometimes it can go too far, right? So, I mean, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a white Muslim. And I mean, I remember I got in a dispute, uh, you know, a private dispute um, a few months ago or weeks ago. I can't remember how long ago about uh, someone had written an article about how a white Muslims can't be victims of Islamophobia. And I said this is nonsense. Of course, white Muslims can be victims of Islamophobia. I've been a victim of Islamophobia. And, um, you know, uh, yes, white people have a, a huge amount of privilege in the United States. Yes, I walk down the street and no one bothers me. Yes, I walk down the street and I get treated well. Yes, the police don't bother me all. You uh, know, of course, all these things are true. And, and uh, yes, there's a power dynamic in this country. And yes, 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 of course. But, you know, I'm also a Muslim. And there's no reason to, to, to tell me I'm not a real Muslim by saying I can't suffer as other Muslims suffer because I can and I have. And I, you know, there's that, that just, that, that creates antagonism or that creates, that antagonizes me unnecessarily, you know, just say you probably get treated really well. You could be a victim of Islamophobia, but you probably won't get it as much as a black Muslim or a brown Muslim. And I say, of course that's true. But I think so. Sometimes the, you know, social justice ethos, is too extreme and that also uh, uh obviously upsets people
2: yeah and I, and that's what i meant i think i was talking about like the trajectory that has happened with social justice over the, the course of the years as uh, a lot of social justice activists who saw that this is an effective tool they kind of took it up an- another notch and they're like okay well Forget about violence and calling out people who are doing, you know, acting out violently in public and, you know, going after their jobs. Well, why can't we just take them to task about stuff that they say, you know, and and now you're really just shutting down their arguments. And I felt I feel like a lot, a lot of this uh, alt right and the the whole rise of Trump can be attributed to how the left really shut down discussion and discourse and really shut out. A lot of the right, at least the the people who are, you know, in the in are in the interest of furthering discussion and trying to find common ground, they okay. kind of shut them out of the argument. And they're like, you know what, you don't even belong here. I remember, I don't know if you watch Monday Night Football. I know you said you don't watch sports, but I remember when um, that you know, right wing commentator Bruce Miller, Mon- not Bruce no, Miller, no. Dennis Dennis, Miller, Dennis Miller, yeah, when he oh, joined that team. I remember everyone was so upset that, oh, this right-wing guy is joining. Uh, And it was uh, a sports program. This is Monday Night Football, and people were so upset that that this guy joined the uh, broadcast booth.
1: You know, I think that's true, um, that you can have... uh, You know, know, even... Look, I'm very... I mean, I'm not trying to act like I'm an important person or something, but I'll tell you what my view is, right? So I am very, very, very supportive of free speech, right? So I, you know, I you know, at a university, I think that pretty much anybody should be able to come and speak at a university. I mean, it, there's a difference between, you know, I don't think anyone should be invited. Just anyone should be invited to get an, uh, to be, give a commencement speech because that's an honor, right? So certain kinds of speeches are, are, uh, they, 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 they connote or they, they clearly indicate uh, approval or respect. And so obviously that should only be done for people who, who deserve it. But, um in terms of just allowing voices to be heard i believe basically any voice should be heard i don't i mean i i, I any view should be allowed because um it's only by hearing voices and hearing people's views that you can understand them and evaluate them and, and you have you know this marketplace free market of ideas where people can can understand and a, you know kind of better approximation of truth so that's i i completely agree with you and i think that this sort of i i don't approve of this no no platforming approach i think that um, there are certain platforms, for example, at universities, which are, I think are spaces where people are supposed to be able to communicate and you can't communicate, uh, effectively and honestly, if you don't allow all the voices at the table. So I think, yeah, I mean, I believe that there should, that this sort of no platform approach should not be taken at universities and I don't support it, uh, at my, at my university.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This in fact really just created like silos and echo chambers that, uh, that uh, really, what uh, Trump fed off of. He he went to those echo chambers at at the Blaze and at right. Breitbart, and and he said, "Oh, here's where all these guys gathered up because you know mainstream media won't accept them." So he he just got you know the, them as their base, as his base, and uh, you know won the election essentially, sure. right?
0: I want to go back to Jack. You were talking a little bit ago. I. I have to like dig into this a little bit because our listeners will eat our lunch if we don't ask. Cause so our we have had some recent podcasts that have gotten pretty controversial. Uh, unfortunately, all oh, those co-hosts are not on this show. <laughs> Morton mogul, oh. we're here to clean up your mess. But, uh, <laughs> um, so we, we had a recent show. We talked about victimhood and th- pr- things of privilege and whatnot. Right. Mm. Um, you mentioned your own privilege as a white, as a, as a white American male, um, and then you, you mentioned the term uh, being a victim as far as Islamophobia goes. Um, Do you have you ever felt and it's funny because like this past week, um, I, I think our last show, I think the concept of white privilege came up and some of my co-hosts, um, I, I'll reiterate their points. They don't believe it's a thing like white privilege is a is a fake thing. And it's they say it's actually better to be a black person in America now than it is a white person because, for example, things like affirmative action and so hmm. i i was on the hunt this past week looking for a white nationalist muslim <laughs> I, hmm. I i uh couldn't find anyone who actually was sane I, I found one guy but he seemed like off his rocker and i ended up having to, I think i blocked them on my phone <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. i was so yeah, upset i to be careful gotta, i was so upset careful. at him even uh approaching white converts and talking to him about that i'm like what are you doing people are going to think that we're nuts okay, well, well, we are nuts but
0: yeah well we're... so well, it's, it's one It's one brother i right know he's a good brother uh, he's in law school here in one of the local chicago schools right and i'm like yeah you're at so in school so school but don't you think if you were black you could have gotten stanford or harvard but now you're here you know what i mean like just on your same credentials and he didn't want to answer it um and so that's I mean, as a because fir- like one of the comments one of my co-hosts made on the last show was, <laughs> not try not to laugh. Uh, but he said, you know, if I was a white person and I saw what affirmative action does, I would also be a white supremacist. Now my co-host is like Indian. Um, I, I'd like you to comment on some of these things as a white person, just to like, um, I I think we have to like talk about it without since it kind of came up. I yeah. can't just like let it go.
1: Um. Yeah, I, it's tough for me to talk, talk about because I don't like, I mean, I've not, you know, I, I've never uh, been not white. I mean, um, have <laughs> you guys ever seen Naked Gun 33 and a Third? There's a really yeah. funny scene in there about this guy who's like, he's like, prison changes you. He's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, I used to be white. Anyway, that was really funny. <laughs> the, uh, the the famous there.
2: scene, uh, the shower scene where his, his towel yeah, drops and wearing he's wearing a steel underwear. underwear.
1: I love naked gun movies. They're so funny. So basically, I mean, it's uh, you know, if you talk to me, if you talked to me like five or six years ago, I think I really would have been, I would have been saying, you know, things like uh, white privileges. This is just, uh, this is just stuff that's made up, and people who are upset, and it's not real, and it's exaggerated. And I think that. Um, oddly enough, I think it was, it was getting to know, it was, you know, getting married to my wife and seeing, learning really kind of firsthand how her family had suffered at the hands of government, uh, accusations and prosecutions and, and seeing really just first, firsthand how power works, you know, what it means to be at the the business end of the US government I mean the US Justice Department just to feel that power I mean to see that power and the injustice that it can create I mean they can destroy lives even though they know someone's innocent they just they'll destroy their life just by rank, bankrupting them and ruining them just by accusations that they don't even they don't even ever have to prove you know so I think that that's when I realized that I had been spared all of this. You know, I had that there was all this injustice going on around me and that I had just been spared it because I was a um, wealthy, uh, you know, highly educated uh, white guy um, who lived in a certain place in certain social circles and also happens to be, you know, very attractive. Um, so basically <laughs> this, uh, you know, this oh, was like God. I had, you know, and and so I think that this it was really kind of starting to see the world through the lens of of my wife and her family that sh- that really shook me and then real and made me realize that all this stuff was 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 real you know and so uh, and then you know you have to ask yourself a question which is what are you going to do to fix this uh, what are you going to do to 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 address structural inequity um and You know, and another thing that happened, you know, I mean, just again, like it's sort of funny how stupid I feel, but I mean, a lot of people can think I'm stupid, I guess. But it was really when my mother died, God rest her soul, she died in 2010, um, that I understood what inherited wealth and privilege means, right? So, you know, my various parts of my family came, some of them came in the 1650s, some of them came in the 1700s, some of them came in the late 1800s to the United States or even before the United States existed. And, uh, you know, they were able to accumulate a lot of wealth and social capital and education and um, actual capital and all these things uh, on the backs of of, uh, slave labor and on the backs of of expropriated land. And um, that... I grew up, I was fed by this, I was educated by this, this accumulation of wealth and privilege. And it was, you know, when my mother died, and, you know, well, her estate was shared, I you know was given out to her heirs, right? I mean, I, I learned what it meant to inherit something, right? To, you know, I saw what that gave me the capacity to do. And then I, I realized, well, I mean, I mean, it sounds stupid that I'd took this for me to realize it but i mean it just was sort of so clear to me like oh, this is what it means to inherit privilege and wealth. sure and if you don't have this then you're just i'm i'm always going to be ahead of the other guy because of this and um you know i never took out loans for co- you know i went my parents sent me to private school my whole life. you know i never took out a loan to go to college i didn't have to do work study in college, I mean, I did do some work, but I didn't have to right uh i I didn't you know i and i I never suffered as other people suffer, and that's you know I'm not saying that a lot of white people don't suffer, but i mean I just you know you have to recognize the reality of what people who are whose families were never enslaved or whose families were never deprived of their their land and their property and their lives right. Uh, and subjected to genocide and stuck in reservations i mean if you haven't suffered these things and your family and your ancestors haven't suffered these things then you are going to have a tremendous advantage over the people who have right mm-hmm. and then the question is well how do you fix that and you know again like if, if you talk to me like seven i don't know five or six years ago you know, before I got married and said, you know, what do you think about reparations for slavery? I would have said something like, well, you know, it's not my, I mean, it's too bad. It happened, obviously, it's a tragedy and injustice, but, you no, know, I'm not responsible. I didn't do anything. Why should I suffer? But, you know, it was actually, for me, it was really the Israel-Palestine conflict that made me realize how blind I was being to this issue, because, you know, if someone asked me, do you think, you know, Israelis should have to pay reparations for Palestinians? I'd say, of course they should. But then okay, what's the difference? I mean, if someone's born in Israel, you know, in the same year I was born, nineteen seventy-seven, okay, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't take anybody's land, probably, right? They they're just a person who's born there, and they might be a perfectly nice person, just person, someone who's actually concerned about the plague of Palestinians. Um but the fact is I would still think that they would be responsible for paying back what had been done to these other people because they had grown and and been watered by this expropriated wealth and this injustice. And so how does, how am I any different? then I realized, you know, well, I mean, then I actually started to actually reparations. I'm not exactly sure how they would be paid, but I mean, I, you know, my official position is I think that, you know, white families in the United States or families that benefited from, um, slave labor or even from a racist system should have to leave a portion of their estate to, Uh, let's say like some kind of charity or some kind of body that distributes this to you know to african-americans to native americans i think that i mean i i just don't i i don't see how i not say that considering what i think justice is you know and and so you know i you know i intend that a portion of my estate uh inshallah you know will go to uh some of these charities and um um you know that's the much as you know that's what i'll try and do so this whole thing about the guy who's i'd be a white supremacist if, if i was to lose my place at university but th- the fact is that you, you what are you going to you know eventually you, you can't how do you how do you make up for centuries of enslavement uh, intentional deprivation from the the resources of education and skill building how do you make up for that other than just by putting people you know giving people an opportunity that they might not deserve i mean that's, that's that's the only way you can do it and it sucks to be the white guy who loses this, this the the place at harvard but you know our society has to try and rectify these in, iniquities i mean they have to be rectified
0: uh, what was your family background as far as like your your family history as far as like what kind of businesses were they in
1: <laughs> Well well uh, the funny thing is my family was uh the only family I know of that came to America in the 1600s and like never made any big bucks, (laughs) which is really weird. You know, they, they actually, they were, so some of them The it depends. I mean, some of them, uh, basically my, my grandfather, my dad's father became very wealthy because he was just a really good businessman. He was in the publishing and newspaper industry and radio show radio station owning. Um, so he got very wealthy uh, but he was like, you know, like a really mellow guy. I mean, he, I don't even know if he graduated college. He was uh, from from uh, near Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he was, but I mean, so uh, th- that's how he made his dough. And then my dad, uh, God rest his soul, he died last year. He was, he worked for the World Bank his whole career. And so, you know, he made a good amount of money and he invested a lot of money and he inherited a lot of money. And
0: so that, you know, built on that. Yeah. Sure. Do you still no, Do you think that the privilege? We had Imam Sohaib web on what, like four or five months ago, and Imam Sohaib's family, I think his his ancestors actually owned slaves. Um, you know, and he, but like when I hear your story or Imam, I was like, there's probably, if I, let me, if I understood your point correctly, you're saying that even like the poor farmer or coal miner in West Virginia has some level of privilege because his ancestors were never enslaved and the privilege ranges like you have, you and Imam Suhey probably have more than the coal miner in West Virginia, but that coal miner in West Virginia, even the poorest white person around still has some level of it. Is that what you're pretty, is that more or less the yeah, point? I
1: mean, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to like uh, win in the woke Olympics or something like that. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I, I, you know, very few people would, would, sit around and say, oh, Jonathan Brown, he's so woke. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are always, you know, unhappy with what I say. Uh, but, you know, these are just my, these are the things I believe. Um, uh, so I, I think that, you know, yes, uh, because that coal miner, I mean, is mining on land that was expropriated from Native Americans, uh, that was taken from people who were almost certainly not compensated and made, might even have been removed violently or even, uh, fatally from that land. And, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's something that is getting free land or getting massively subsidized land and the opportunity to work it and exploit it is, is, is not nothing. And that's, that's something significant. Okay. You know, yeah. my, my mom's, my mom's family came from the South. They came from Texas and they definitely owned slaves and they, you know, my, great-great grandfather, no, my great great grandfather fought in the Civil War on the southern side in Texas. And um you know, well my great grand great great grandfather and my other my father's side fought on the northern side, so maybe that compensates for that. But the you know yeah I mean so they they had slaves. I've seen the records. I I have I've seen like the 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 photocopies of the documents. Yeah. Um and so uh yeah, I mean, but I mean, even someone who is a, like this poor farmer, yeah, they benefited, not necessarily I mean, from slavery, but they benefited from expropriated land.
2: Right, but does this does this whole notion of privilege, does that disqualify you from talking about uh, issues that are relevant to the African-American community? Yeah,
1: I think you guys, have, I think, you know, ahead. this is sort of, maybe the, the this is the issue of contention. I think that I think this is where it can go too far because – look, I mean I don't – I'm not going to sit around – I mean one of the – since I began public speaking as a Muslim, um, which maybe was maybe like 2006 or something, 2007. I mean one of the things I've consistently called for is for leadership in the American Muslim community to be ceded to African-Americans. You know, I'm – there's probably recordings of me saying this uh, and I believe this is very important because – uh, first of all, because uh, they, you know, Muslims in this country are marginalized or dismissed or targeted because we're seen as foreign and African-American Muslims are not foreign. Um, so we can avoid that. And second, because, you know, Muslims, when Muslims sit around and are critical of American domestic or foreign policy, we get called traitors or we become suspect. Whereas an African American, like you know, Dr. Sherman Jackson, for example, Dr. Sherman Jackson wants to talk about the the injustice of American history. It, no one can question his opinion. You know, you're gonna you're gonna tell him he can't complain about uh, what white people have done. Of course he can't. What the American government can, has done, of course he can. So uh, uh, African American Muslims give the Muslim community they they are they are leaders who are shielded in a lot of ways from the liabilities that. The immigrant Muslim community has. Um, And I think that's really important. So I, you know, I've been calling for this for a long time. Um, But that doesn't mean that other Muslims, white Muslims, immigrant Muslims, have no role, of course. And so, you know, I I'm not, you know, if there is going to be a panel about race issues, I shouldn't be on the panel because I don't know anything about this stuff. I mean, I just You know, I don't know about what it's like to be a minority. I don't know about what it's like to be discriminated against racially. So I'm not going to, why would it be ridiculous for my voice to be heard? Um, but, you know, if there are other issues, you know, that, that are important, why, why should I, why should a white Muslim not, why should their opinion not matter? I mean, their opinion should matter just like anyone else's. I mean, so I think that, you know, you, this stuff can go overboard where, you know, like, if you're saying um, white Muslims can't be victims of Islamophobia, of course they can. Um, or white Muslims can't, um, you know, can't understand what it, it's like to be, uh, Muslim in America, really. Well, that's, that's not accurate. And, um, and finally, I mean, just the, what you talked about in terms of issues that concern the African American community. I mean, I, probably you might be referring to the slavery issue. Uh, when I talked about, uh, when I wrote this article about slavery and gave this lecture, I mean, I wasn't talking about slavery in the United States. I mean, I, I mentioned it sort of marginally. I was talking about slavery in the Islamic civilization, and right. um,
2: and I mean, I
1: don't like I'm I not an expert on uh, slavery in the United States at all. I mean, I, nor am I going to make you know comments about it. I mean, I made I think in the lecture and in my paper, I just said that it's it was a horrible de, you know dehumanizing institution that was you know example of the absolute domination of one human being or another which is completely wrong um in in islam it's completely wrong i think morally universally but uh you know I, but i don't so i mean i'm not uh but i mean in terms of slavery in islam well i mean i can talk about that because i'm a muslim and it matters to me and this is an important issue and i you know if someone else doesn't think i should talk about that then they can talk about it but if i mean no one else i mean Uh, Why did I write this article about slavery? I wrote this article about slavery because other people are not writing this stuff. Other people are are not writing this. And somebody's got to do it.
2: And I think what a lot of people did was they equated the American implementation of slavery or what Islamic history understanding of slavery, you know. And I think those two implementations were quite contrast, right? I mean they were implemented so differently uh, at, the, at least from my understanding of American mm-hmm. history slavery was so much more brutal over here than it was in Islamic history
1: I mean I, I think well first of all I actually um,
2: don't want to talk about yeah, no, I'll tell you
1: why because the, it is not um, I decided that people cannot have really reasoned discussions about this yeah. currently um, and you know, I tried to do that and I was like pretty viciously attacked Yeah, and I just don't, I mean, I'll write about it, but I'm not going to talk about it because I don't trust the integrity of the people who would attack me yeah. to not just take half of a sentence and then leave the rest of the sentence and just uh, brutalize me. But I mean, I would just say, you know, just to answer that one question, cause this is a historical question, right? So, um, there is a, there's sort of a debate amongst scholars of you know slavery in in world history, right? Which is is sort of American slavery a different category from slavery in Islamic civilization? I mean, you know, was slavery in Islamic civilization sort of a, a lighter version of slavery in, in, the, in the Americas? And uh, I, I think. That was for a long time an opinion held by historians. And it was, it was problematized and and qualified by scholars who came and pointed out that, well, sometimes in Islamic civilization, slavery was as bad as it was in the Americas. Um, so then you're kind of left with a question, which is, okay, well, generally, was it as bad? And I think, in my opinion, based on my readings, slavery, Islamic civilization is, of course, vast, right? It's vast geographically. It's vast chronologically. So you're talking about, you know, even making a generalization about something in Islamic civilization is very tricky, let alone comparing it to something else. Yeah. But I would say that, you know, in general, and of course there are exceptions to this, in general, I think that slavery in Islamic civilization was not as severe as it was in the North American colonies uh, and also in South America and the Caribbean. Um. That doesn't mean that, that it wasn't sometimes as bad. It's, maybe it was even sometimes worse. But generally, I think that it was not as severe. Um, now, someone can say, "Oh, you're you're an apologist for slavery." No, I'm not. That's not at no point have I said anything. I just said that X was not as severe as Y. Okay, that that's that's a historical. Uh, They're
2: both uh, bad.
1: That's a historical judgment. I mean, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So, I mean, th- anybody who wants to sit around and say something awful about me at this point, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, is engaged in malicious malicious slander. Yeah. Um, so the but I mean I, so I think that um that that's a one of the issues. I'm writing now another article about this for Yakin, which will hopefully come out. I'm not done with it yet, but hopefully I'll be done with it soon. And it will it we'll be looking at a lot
2: more of these issues. Oh so so you are um exploring this yeah, issue more. Okay. Yeah, I am right. I Okay, because I, I was that worried that, that they shut you up and like, okay, that, that, that'll no, be no, the no, end no. of this discussion, I
1: mean, no, 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 no way, this okay. is an important issue man this is an important
0: issue i, I think I, what he I, was no. alluding to was he didn't want like an audio clip cut and paste, I see you know what I mean because that's where you know versus oh, it's funny that um
1: what, what do you what do you mean oh so when you when I said I don't want to talk about it right, music, right, oh yeah, so I mean, I don't want to talk about it like in a sense, I don't want to actually have a out loud oral conversation about it, cool because. I, I mean, I only want to write about it because writing, you can, you know, really control what you say. I mean, the no one criticized the article I wrote, mostly. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. They just criticized like 15 minutes of Q&A that I had with the audience after I had read this hour-long article. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and when you're doing Q&A, I mean, you're, you know, unless you're like a diplomat, in which case you're never going to say anything interesting or accurate or, you know, helpful. Uh, you know, if you're a scholar, then you're trying to answer questions as best you could using can but using the, the things that come into your mind. And, uh, you know, you, you obviously are trying to to phrase things properly and accurately and sensitively. But sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's hard to to have the level of discipline that you have when you're writing something.
0: Yeah, yeah That's a good point. I think uh, I've always on Mad Mom Looks. I'm, I'm known for kind of running my mouth and not having a filter on. But I don't post a lot on social media. And I'm always like, people have to sort through a two-hour podcast to find a little clip of me saying something crazy. Well, and most people well, are too uh, lazy to do well, that. Well, you
1: know, you, look, there's people out there. There's whole armies of these Islamophobe people who do that. I mean, that's their job. I mean, they, I mean I'm sure they're paid to do this. They. I mean, there's all these, like, there's this uh, different sites that are usually kind of written uh, by, like, pro-Israel people, like this one called, I think... Uh, uh Canary Mission, something like that, Canary Coal Mine or Canary Mission or something. And they have, um I mean, I, I saw they have a site. I mean, I, I was just like, they went through just like random lectures I gave in like weird places years ago. I mean, I didn't even know these lectures were recorded. I mean, they had gone through and, and picked out like half a line here. I mean, things that, I mean, so look, if if you become a target for Islamophobes then yeah. they will do that. They oh. will go through, because that's, they They have all this money and they, they'll they pay some, you know, douchebag to sit and do that.
2: Well, I noticed an uptick in our ratings just right after our recent episode uh, with you uh, entitled The Dimmies. And I'm like, well, I know Jack is well known, but no, seeing like, you know, thousands and thousands of downloads from everywhere, you know, I was like, wow, this is, there's something going on here. And then obviously uh, I think it just coincided with the, uh, the controversy of uh, that Q and a session as well. So there was, was that a huge s-
1: same time. I can't remember. Yeah,
2: it was within a few weeks. So I wouldn't say oh, exactly no. that.
1: It was your guys'
2: fault. No, no, no they, there were, there so were no they, clips I mean, of ours.
1: I, yeah. You basically, what I've noticed is that you, they won't go after everybody. Right. So they'll, They'll, they'll they basically there's this kind of like a bar once you get to a certain level of influence then they start attacking you
2: yeah
1: um and so you know you can go for years saying whatever you want and nothing will happen and then if you get cer get big enough then they then the hammer will come down on you
2: yeah
0: yeah that's a good point cuz our stuff stays on the internet yeah um, unless the podcast
2: is totally trash and we delete it <laughs> well i mean look there's so many times where i have to make the editorial decision where i can you know edit stuff that our co hosts say especially we have these things called round tables where just a host talk and you know let loose and just just say what's on their mind and that's what happened in our last episode which kind of generated a lot of controversy and some people were really upset and offended by it and i really apologize because that ultimately falls on me as the editor that was um, the
1: that was the white white privilege stuff
2: yeah that was the white privilege it's yeah. it's uh, if anyone wants to go back and listen to it it's around the 30th minute mark and again i apologize for anyone getting uh, upset and for any hurt feelings uh, what we are trying to do is spark conversation instead of shutting up people and not um, exploring even No matter how dumb you feel, like uh, what Morton and Moga were saying, I want to explore that. And I don't want to shut people up just because, you know, it's not uh, politically correct. You know, I, I want people to be able to have discussions without feeling judged. Like, okay, you know, just because uh, s- some people don't find it or some people will get their feelings hurt by it. That doesn't mean that uh, we can't explore that and try to find the nuances and, and find some of you know, the detail in in those discussions so uh, I feel like there's a lot more to be discussed and I, I feel like we can that the, the, the discussion is not over with this episode it's going to be an ongoing discussion that we're going to further explore with other community leaders that uh, we've reached out to and uh, they've expressed interest in uh, talking to us about it
0: I, I think one of the criticisms that I found was that va- valid on that show was we uh, generally none of us are experts right right you know and we're talking about we're not like we're in it or we're engineers <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah. and it's all it, a lot of is just talking out of our own perceptions so on one side i got a lot of messages saying that like yo i agree with moga moga speaks from the heart and there's a lot of mogas out there moga
2: is our somali host he's uh you can call him moga because he's from mogadishu yeah. And uh-huh. um, people said, no, he's speaking out of uh, privilege as well, or he's not allowed to talk about the African-American experience because he's not real African-American. So I felt like that was kind of unfair because he's uh, he actually grew up in the ghettos of Kansas City. And mm. um, he didn't say that on the podcast on, on that episode, but he, he did definitely grow up in the ghetto. And he grew up in a warm, I think he
0: Gang-infested was, environment, well, yeah.
2: he When his family em- immigrated to this country... He was in war-torn Somalia, where his family was split up. His dad was—he, they didn't even know where his dad was, and his uh, his mom and uh, other siblings were trapped in Somalia in refugee tents, and they had no idea what's going on. Yeah. So I mean, the, the people gotta understand that there's more to what meets the eye. You know, when you hear people talk that. Mm.
0: Right, I, I don't. I wish Mo goes on the show, but he he always talks a lot about like he's t- he doesn't like how sometimes people abuse the the concept of being a victim. Now, reality is there are like there's there you know there is vic- there are victims. Yeah. Right, but like if some people use it as a crutch where they can't th- that procru- that like prevents them from making progress, and I think that's what his whole point, more or less, than anything else. That his family, he felt like he, they could have been a victim, but they made a decision. To like you know essentially now um, whether or not there are other circumstances that I'm not aware of that allow a Somali a Somali family to persevere where an African American family could not um, th- that's something that I'm not necessarily aware of but I sure. I, I think that's something that we at on roundtables sometimes we have to like maybe just do better like well, I, I found that criticism I found that critique a little valid in the sense that like. If we have like data now at the same time, people want to tr- say stuff like if if one of the guys says Oh, white privilege doesn't exist, that's not an is- issue of akida. It's not like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's an issue that people can disagree with, but people have made it to the point where it's it, it's almost like like. <laughs> like saying that uh, Allah, Allah is three or something, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. So it, it's it's trying to find that balance, so to speak. But yeah, like Sims right, the sense that we we do, we do sometimes. We, Look, we, we, we we're, we're in the cook. business
2: of entertainment as well, right? Right. I mean, we're not going to beat around the bush. The reason why our our podcast has been so successful compared to others, and I'm not going to be humble about it, is because we're we we try to make it entertaining, and yeah. sometimes we're, entertainment becomes abrasive and. <laughs> Uh unintentionally it can hurt people's feelings and I, I, that's on me and uh sometimes I do my best to edit things out that can be set off the cuff and can be inter, inter, interpreted the wrong way and uh, they, we're we're learning as we go along and we're in this journey with you the listener as well you guys so. are
1: courageous I mean I, I mean what I mean by that is it's it takes guts to uh to get on the, you know, get on the air every week and or, or and talk to people. I mean, this is tough. I mean, it would be I would be really, really, really terrified to do what you guys do. I just I mean, think I'm that. an
0: idiot. I I just think I just don't realize the severity of it to be honest, Jack. Like yeah. I, I <laughs> you know well, what I
1: mean. I mean uh, thank God for uh, for 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 idiocy. Sometimes <laughs> it can help. You know, can be useful to the community. I mean, I, I think that. Well, I I agree with you guys. I mean, I have to be. Um, these venues and if you're not going to you know if you don't if people aren't allowed to say what they think then they're never going to be corrected um, so i you know i think this is you know i again i said i'm I'm very passionate about free speech and i think that um you know if if you're if people can't say that they think you know white privileges doesn't exist i mean how then maybe okay if it does exist then how are they ever going to be convinced someone has to tell them okay well let me explain why it does exist or let me you know and you know, if you can't have a discussion, then no one is going to be convinced of things they should be convinced of, exactly. and give up beliefs that are wrong. So, I mean, you have to have these discussions. So, I, I would never, I would always encourage you guys to continue, and don't don't beat yourselves up too much about yeah. these things. Yeah.
0: I, I, I'll give, I'll give us. I think we do try to like reach out to people who are gonna challenge. Like we we have tried to reach out to people who will challenge our views. We don't, we don't want to live in like echo chambers. You know, you know what I mean. I and if people don't believe that sometimes. But like one of the reasons this podcast got going is because I know Sim was a big fan of the Rogan, Joe Rogan experience, right? And he's always talking about Islam, Islam, this and that, and there's never like a like the like his version of a Muslim is like Majid Nawaz, yeah, <laughs> on and, the show. The
2: whole his his crew, his posse was Sam Harris, Majid Nawaz, Ayan Hersey. He loves those Dr. Krauss. and yeah. Dr. Krauss, right? And so. And I would tweet out to Rogan, and I'm like, "Hey, bring this guy on. Bring." A- I think we'll talk- keep on doing this uh, over and over again, and he wouldn't respond. So one day I was listening to the show, and he 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 kind of called me out indirectly. He didn't say me, but he was trying to. He basically uh, slapped some reality in my face, saying that you know what, all you people trying to get attention, get my attention on Twitter, you guys, uh, you guys got nothing better to do, but uh, you you don't do anything yourselves, and. Um, you know you, you you sit around on your computer and you just uh that's your your whole job you know and that was i took that as truth man and that was like a slap in the face but i'm like you know what he's right he's right because i i need i if if i really believe in what i'm saying and in, in my discussions with him or my one-sided discussions where i'm just kind of telling him one thing and i'm like hey bring some muslims on here maybe you can bring out guys that come to sources on your show and and he he can explain to you what um maybe uh, a different side of of, uh the argument and that that really really resonated with me and that's when i i really sat down and thought about how we are going to launch our own podcast and be a vehicle for for truth and You know, we're not going to get caught up in echo chambers. We're not. We're not going to be pigeonholed as a certain podcast uh, highlighting only one certain one specific uh, perspective. So, Mm -hmm.
0: and I think a lot of like I I I used to listen to the Rubin Report. I don't know if you've heard of them, Jack uh, Dave Rubin, but he always talks about free speech. And I'm like, you know, he's full. And I was like, after a while, I was like, he's full of it. I mean, he's free speech on certain issues. When it comes to Islam, there's no free speech. And I was yeah. like, you know, this is this is BS. So, like, I I would tweet them out. I think uh, even some people tweeted Ruben to get you or Joe Bradford on the show, specifically. He may have tagged you and stuff on they Twitter. They don't care. They're
2: not agents of truth, man. Yeah. They're, if if people want to know the truth, they're not going to spin it their way. They're going to get every side on the, on the table and they're going to try to figure things out. They just want stuff spun their way because the left has gone a certain direction and they've gotten – um, you know, super hard left, and they're going to go super hard right. And well, well, he, uh, the, the one thing I'll say is that, like, for
0: example, like the Rubin report, like, I I don't think we should expect him to be down with Islam. Like, at the same time, like, I don't think that we would bring on, like, we wouldn't be completely free speech. Like, we wouldn't, like, I don't know that we invite, like, I don't know what you think. Maybe I, I don't know that I didn't invite Akadiani on the show unless we were going to troll him. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, cause um, I don't know that's the reason. We're not thing.
2: even over this controversy yet. To- <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't be open to it, but I would. Yeah, uh, I want to take it step by step. Like, like say.
0: someone with some really deviant beliefs, or like
2: someone who was like well, pro ISIS. I, I grew up with Kasim Rashid uh, when I was young. Well, so. I
1: mean, I think I think it depends. You know, it really depends on what someone's uh, intention is, right? So, I mean, I I don't have a problem. You know, I would never have a problem discussing anything with anybody, as long as I knew that they weren't. Trying to use that discussion to uh, push a certain agenda, or they weren't trying to manipulate it, or they weren't going to leverage it. So, I mean, if someone wants, you know, example, if you wanted to have a Qadiyani on to talk about what Ahmadi's believe, uh, try and discuss, you know, have like a discussion about the, the you know controversies between them and, and the other schools of you know in Islam. Um, you know, that would be fine. I think. I mean that would just that's from my perspective. I mean I think what but I what I don't like is when is the sort of doorstepping that happens where someone comes and says you know do you believe that cardians are Muslims if you don't then you're a takfiri and you're a Sunni supremacist and Sunni supremacism is what causes Islamophobia like what what are you talking about yeah. like first of all I mean you're so, you're calling me a tech because you know that this is going to get me in trouble with you know mainstream public square in the United States and so you're trying to use Public, non-Muslim public suspicion of me, as a, as a, to bully me into accepting you as a Muslim. Well, why is, you, should, if we, if you're going to accept you as a Muslim, we should, it should be based on a discussion of your beliefs and my beliefs and whether or not they're compatible, right? Yeah. It's a theological discussion. It's not something you can bully someone into. And second, you know, if you're, you're saying that Sunni extreme, I'm a Sunni extremist. Well, Shia also don't accept Qadiani as Muslim. And then if you're going to call, you know, say Sunni extremism is a cause of Islamophobia, that's absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Bigotry is not caused by the discriminated against group. Bigotry is the problem of the bigoted person. Okay. And it is always the problem of the bigoted person. And you can always, you know, oh, anti, you know, anti-black racists, uh, it's, it's not their fault because black community has these problems. That's nonsense. Every community has problems. Every community has, this. it doesn't mean that you can go and, and 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 uh, you know, call for them to be expelled from the country or to to, to be deprived of rights. So I think uh, you know that 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 would be like how I would approach this issue of discussing something with you know with the you know, the Qadiani or the Ahmadi issue is you know what kind of discussion are you going to have? What kind of person are you going to have? I think one of the problems is that some of the the Qadianis who are most well known in social media are these doorstepping guys, right? Who come yeah. to you and be like. You know, accept, do you accept me as a Muslim? If you don't, then you're a tech fear. You know, oh, well. Okay. Well, this isn't really a useful discussion.
0: Well, Jack, before you wrap up, what do you got going on in the next few months? Anything of note? I know you mentioned in the, the paper you're writing months, for Yaqeed. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm writing this one on, uh, I mean, it's done. I just have, to, it's, just have to publish it. Well, there's one coming out about martyrdom. There's one coming out about uh, truth in other religions. That'll be probably controversial. And uh, then there's one there'll be the one about uh, the moral problem of slavery and then there'll be one about um, uh, slavery and abolition of slavery in islamic civilization those two will come out probably later like in a few months inshallah and um you know otherwise just keep writing Um, you know i'm still working i'm probably last time we talked to you about it about this book on the history of muslim courts that's that's getting your done. Hopefully, it'll get published, and uh, and then translating Sahih Bukhari, which is a, a never-ending task.
0: Yeah, well, what's your g- general day-to-day like? I, I'm just curious. Like, uh, you're you're. What, have you hit forty yet? The wrong... I just
1: turned forty. I just oh, turned forty. Wow. On August ninth was my birthday.
0: mashaallah because I know you, you. You mentioned your. I said you were ten. You just got ten. You've been said you've been tenured for a while now.
1: Yeah, I got tenure when I was 32. I first got tenure at University of Washington, and then I gave that up when I came to Georgetown. And then I got tenure again at Georgetown. Um oh, okay. I thought it
0: always took uh, like 10, 15 years to get tenure. I guess if I was mistaken. Like, what does that entail?
1: Uh, no. Well, um, in most places, once you get a tenure track job, you go up for tenure. I think after your sixth year, I think that's pretty uniform, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if 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 you could go, that's why people don't get it. Sometimes they don't get it because they haven't. You only have a certain amount of time. You can't just uh, take forever to get what you need to become a tenured professor. So you have, you haven't done it in the six years. Then you, it's called you know up or out. Either you move up or you have one year and then you gotta go. Right.
0: So so I mean, right now you've got Yakin responsibilities. You've got you're the uh, you still have that you're chair of the muslim christian understanding department. Director, yeah, director of the center for muslim christian understanding. Okay. And then are you teaching classes as well this uh, this semester? Yeah, I teach class. I'm teaching
1: a class now on uh, history 109 Islamic world. I'm teaching that class. Okay. And next semester I'll teach two upper level classes. So and it, uh, yeah.
0: Any insights on just like basically like how how you get all that done with the family and what I'm always curious whenever I, you know the productivity tips, man. Yeah, man. I always like like Jack Brown didn't become Jack Brown like overnight like you know there was there was a process. And, and it's always something I'm always interested in like learning about and trying to like you know you know pick brains and just trying to like implement things here and there that I can like maybe try out.
1: I mean I think focus and discipline are really important. I mean having you know um a lot of people have the talent and and the time to do stuff but they just get distracted and they they do stuff like watch games like you know the game or whatever people do when they watch sports the game you know they watch sports they they just putz around um you know i i've always very focused and uh you know i, I don't i don't sleep it that much you know i stay up late at work um when my kids are asleep and uh and then another thing is just is to always you know be building towards towards something so you know not, for example I never read anything or even if I hear something on the radio or I see something on t v and it's I want to write, immediately make a note of it I mean I have these notebooks that are just full of notes and notes and notes and notes and notes you know where I saw something where I read something exactly so you know a lot of times the reason I think reading people don't produce as much is because they don't they're not able to kind of corral their what they ingest into something that they can then produce. So I think you have to be really disciplined about always kind of constantly sucking in information towards a certain end.
0: Right. I, I think Muhammad Gilan and I, were you, you're from the Dr. Muhammad Gilan, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no, I, and I, I know he's got, he's got a very systematic approach to that and whatnot. So, so your sports is basically Facebook debates though.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, uh, you know, I'm going to try and not get into the Facebook debates. I, I think um, – well, I mean, I, I think that – you know, the stuff I care uh, – the stuff I care to care about
0: –
1: I mean, I I mean, I wasn't really into Facebook. I mean, I, I got on Facebook when I got married because my wife was like, you need to be on Facebook. So I went on Facebook and I didn't even really use it until that – the summer of two thousand and fourteen when two things happened. One it was the ISIS and the second was MLI. And I realized it was MLI, I realized that these the people who were doing it had this really big social media following and that that these were the role models that a lot of these young Muslims were looking at. And I I realized that, you know, I need to get out there and try and provide a different different view and that I had to really cultivate this. And then the second thing is, and then you ISIS happened and seeing people getting confused by that, getting, losing their faith by that, being tempted by their arguments. And so I really wanted to go and try and encounter that. Um and, uh, so, uh, you know, when, when, um, you know, over a year ago, when, when Sheikh Omar Suleiman came to me and said, you know, Hey, look, you, you write good stuff, you're, you know, but no one reads it because you're an academic. Um, let's let's team team up and do this thing. And then, you know, you, you write the stuff you cultivate research and then we'll do all the social media of surf engine optimization, things like that. Uh, you know, I realized this was, this was a way to do things. I mean, it's not, you know, so I still, I mean, I care about, uh, social media. I care about Facebook in the sense I think it's a really useful way to, 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 reach people. And I think it's really, Especially a lot of the, you know, young Muslims I know on Facebook. I mean, I want to to be there to encourage them, to help them clarify things when they're on when they're confused, to to give them inspiration. That means a lot to me. But uh I don't think so much is achieved by these sort of long drawn out slugging matches. Um and uh you know, I think when the, the MLI thing happened, that was I don't know. I mean, I'm torn about whether or not, I don't know. I'm not sure if it was the right thing to do or worth it or not worth it. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the argument had to happen. I'm not sure what other kind of forum it could have happened in. And... I think that it served to 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 make people aware of something that was happening that that they might not have been aware of otherwise. Um, but I don't want to, you know. I feel dirty. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people say, "Oh, Jonathan Brown, he's an he's an a-hole." Oh, Jonathan Brown, he's a, you know, he's blah blah blah. I mean, I, I feel uh, I feel very very dirty every time I engage in one of these things. I don't like to. Um, I don't like you know, to, to criticize people. I don't like to uh to be criticized, it hurts, you know. And uh I'd rather not have this be part of my life, it caused me a lot of stress.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, I mean, so you're you're such a nice guy, man. I don't know how somebody yeah. could even say that about you. I mean criticize your ideas or whatever, but like some of the vitriol well, is some just people really people don't
1: think I'm a nice
2: guy. Some I mean, people I... think
1: I'm you know, whatever. <laughs> well, uh just because you're you
2: just yeah uh-huh. just because you're you're against their idea doesn't mean that I mean people just take everything so personally now you know like j- the you 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 uh attacking or challenging their ideas is now has now become something integral to who you are, and the moment uh-huh. you challenge that a little bit it seems like you're you're challenging the the foundations of who they are and they're going to collapse on themselves if- so
1: i mean i think that you have to um that tells you about the person but it tells you about the position i mean uh, if you in my experience the issues you can't talk about the the third rail issues are precisely the ones that expose truth right so how does a system preserve itself if it has weak points, right? You, you have to keep people away from the weak points. You have to keep people away from the hinges. You have to keep people away from, uh, the, the, the weak, the weak, you know, the, 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 the chinks in the armor. Right. Um, and so you know, I can come up with a number of examples, but I know I don't want to, but I mean, because pers- even mentioning them is problematic, uh, in our society that you can't talk about these things because precisely because actually our, our, reasoning for why we do this or why we don't do this is actually very flimsy in our society and similarly with things like mli i mean mli was you know a really bad program it was a program that was openly that openly had a very um had an insidious purpose and um was 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 a was a was used being used to manipulate the Muslim community and lead it in a direction that was immoral and unjust and uh and, and it was so open i mean if you would dis- if you actually discussed it it would it would be a losing case so the only way to kind of prevent that is to 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 make the discussion into oh it's you have bad adab oh you're a nasty person oh you're horrible you're an extremist whatever so i mean if 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 people have um If people actually have strong positions, and maybe they have disagreements, but they at least have strong positions, then I think you actually have much more productive discussions because uh, the the two sides or sometimes more than two sides are not – they're not so insecure that they're not going to be willing to engage in a a kind of – Structured discussion
0: right and, and and a last thing I'll leave you with I think a lot of people did benefit from your post though I mean, I feel like people did because you know at the end of the day people are on Facebook and mm-hmm. To see someone with your pedigree coming up and taking a stand. I think for them. That was really you know, gave them a lot of conviction and that they were on the right side, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't, again, yeah. I know you told us earlier, don't beat us, don't beat us, ourselves up, yeah, I'm telling you right now, I, I wouldn't do it either, but, yeah, man, you it,
2: Because there's so many, there's so few people who want to stick their neck out on anything these days. <laughs> yeah. Even our listeners, they don't, we want to, they'll private message us about how much they supported this episode about something that challenged uh, um, something status on the quo. left, you know, yeah. or something, uh-huh. yeah, status quo stuff, you know, and, um, they won't dare well, uh, post it publicly yeah. though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, I, there's a lot of stuff that is just, you know, you know, for example, I never get involved in Sunni Shiite stuff. I refuse. I'm adamantly anti-sectarian. I mean, I refuse to ever get in that kind of debate
2: yeah. because
1: it's so destructive and I, it is a poison that i never want to ingest or spread to anybody
2: i kind of feel the same um,
1: i'll never get in involved in like salafi sufi stuff because right. i am not going to one day on facebook somehow find the argument that that, that proves whether to is valid or not right? <laughs> right i mean that's not you know i'm not gonna it's not gonna be me who does that right uh so what's the point you know? yeah
0: I think you have the right approach. It sounds like you're just moving to, the, like, what's going to be most effective for me. You yeah, know?
1: I mean, I mean, so there's certain things that I, I do I have. Always, I mean, when I, you know, I don't know if it's, like, giving away whatever, like, trade secret or something. But, I mean, I I really focus on specific things in, in social media. There's I, I don't just, you know, sometimes I post stuff about, like, a movie, it's funny or something like that. But, I mean, I focus on very specific issues. One is civil liberties. Two is criticizing um, foreign governments on specific, very clear moral issues, and on issues where the U.S. government and American citizens have a capacity to to influence the situation, right? Yeah. Um, And three is Islamophobia and um, um, uh, Islamophobia and 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 and, and trying to ameliorate ignorance about Islam and and um incorrect ideas about Islam. And four, the last one is Israel Palestine issue. So these are the things that I these are the four things I I talk about on Facebook. And um if you I mean I think if you look at anything I write, it will always have to do with one of these things. Even, you know, recently I posted something about the Ahmadi issue. I don't talk about that qua of a theological issue um i'm not really qualified to do that um other people have already done it and it's to me a waste of time it's a waste because this is not how muslims should be spending their energy but when did i when do i talk about only when it ends up overlapping with islamophobia right when when ahmadi spokesmen start saying that that people who don't accept Ahmadis and Muslims are the cause of Islamophobia. And Sunnis are the cause of Islamophobia. That's when uh, I'll, I'll weigh in on the topic. So I'm very focused on the stuff I talk about. Because if you just get into everything, then you, one, you'll waste all your energy. And two, you will lose your, you know, I think you'll lose, in a sense, credibility. You, know, you can't just weigh in on everything.
0: Sure. That's, well, Jack, that's great parting advice. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up right now. Uh, how can people – well, obviously, you have your Facebook page, and that's where people um, – it seems like where people can mostly gather your thoughts. Twitter, you're yeah, not I too active, my, right?
1: My Facebook page is like – I think it's public or whatever, yeah. so I guess anybody can see it. Um, yeah.
0: I think I tried to friend so, you like a year ago. Just I just checked just now to see your post. Sorry. It said, "Oh, it says cancel or something." The option. Really?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I have. Uh, I, I I'm really bad at it. I, I get.
0: Uh, sorry to put you on blast.
1: No, no, no. Oh, He's he reached his time, friend I limit. Like I said, I didn't know that. Um, what has he? I didn't know like how to use the the thing. My wife had to show me how to use this stuff, and then I think now I have five thousand friends.
2: Yeah, you, you, should, so I thought, you should I thought you just that it I, I didn't
1: realize that people could follow you and not be your friends. Yes. So I thought that I had to add everybody. And That's so I, what just I do. went up to yeah. 5,000. So I'd love to be your friend on Facebook, but uh I think you're wait, a limit. wait wait till some person with bad taste unfriends me and then uh, <laughs> I can add you. So you should send me another request.
0: Yeah. Or whatever.
1: <laughs> if you're if you're allowed to.
0: Yeah, I might just cancel and resend it. So it's like, but what I did do is, and the listeners out there, if you want to like see what Jack's post, then just go ahead and there's an option on Facebook following, and then you click down. It says see first. So you are my one of my see first folks too. So your post will always pop up to the top oh, of my feed. Oh, that's feet. so sweet,
1: guys.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs>
2: well, the, Facebook's algorithm is is a little sneaky, man. That thing it'll it'll start hiding stuff from you if you haven't posted in a while. So, if Jack Brown went to Turkey for a couple of weeks and hasn't posted, well, guess what? He's no longer relevant. Yeah. So, and we didn't talk about really? your, the meme. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, guess, need
1: to, I need to keep posting a bunch of garbage just to stay relevant. Well, he, yeah, there was that
0: meme it. where you were looking lost in that mustache too, which I won't, we won't get into right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the one with the mean? black hat? Remember that? Yeah, but what does what that I mean? I was a, meme, sure. a meme, a meme, a <laughs> meme. Yeah, but why is that a meme? It I think it's like new convert not knowing like where he's at or something. I think that's what it was. I think oh, somebody well, made it. Somebody made it a that. meme. Oh, you didn't oh, see anyway. it?
1: Anyway. No, I mean I just posted that picture of uh, of me in the mosque. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about into a meme or something.
0: I think some people made it a meme. <laughs> I, I, I might be able to – I'll, I'll, okay, I'll hunt it down. I, I'll, send, I'll send it to you if I can. Yeah,
1: send me this thing. I'm not sure what you're talking about, but it sounds bad. It sounds like <laughs> – is this insulting me or, like, making me look stupid otherwise? Yeah, you know,
0: I don't think so. I don't know. I, 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 think I, it just, really, <laughs> I think it's poking fun of, like, poking fun at white converts. It was a white convert that made the meme, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. I'm yeah. sure it's fine. So the point is that uh, – yeah, then that was just because I thought it was a funny uh, picture, you know, because I was wearing that sunco hat.
0: Yeah, that's a Malaysian it hat, didn't right?
1: Fit, didn't sit me, fit me very well, unfortunately.
0: Right. right, right. Anyway,
1: but uh, so anyway, guys, it was really fun talking to you, and I enjoy your show, and I always listen to it.
0: Thanks a lot, so, man. Uh, I appreciate it. your support. Means a lot. You're you're like yeah. one of the. I remember, uh, like I was telling you first, last time we booked you, I was like jumping up and down when you said yes. Yeah, man. Well,
2: I'm you, always happy to talk to you, guys, you, you know. Joe Bradford. Guys and like I was Mama offended. Keelan. I remember
1: I emailed you. I said, "What's the what's the heck? You guys bring all these other people on more than once. You never
0: call me back."
2: Oh my God, man. Mm-hmm. We we'd love to have you on as many times no, as really you want to. So yeah. I, no, I
0: anytime you want to talk about something, you want to talk about, you want to use our platform, you're 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 you are more than welcome. Just. Let us know.
2: Well, we're always worried about bothering people. You know? Yeah. So we're we're like, maybe they don't like us anymore. Well, it's, an honor, it's an
1: honor that somebody wants to hear or something I have to say. Yeah. So,
0: right. I, I was at D.C. last weekend. You know Rashid Dar? I do know Rashid yeah, Dar. Yeah. So we, I was at Rashid Dar and I was like, do you guys chill with Jack? It's like, yes, we tr- tr- sometimes, but it's he's really busy. So I was like, yeah, we didn't like bother calling you. <laughs> I, I was with Tony hanging out with Rashid Dar and uh, Ismail Royer. Uh, I'm
1: wondering and, if I was here. um it was Absolutely
0: last week. Can't. It was not this past weekend, but the weekend before the weekend they before eat. Eid. The weekend so before I, Eid. Oh no, I was in Turkey. Was you, there, oh so. you just got back. Okay. <laughs> oh well inshallah. All right, well that being said, we'll okay, ra- guys. Ra- wrap have this. This. a good night. Absolutely. Yeah, man, you too. For, for our listeners out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at the at gmail dot com. You can also follow us on Facebook. Um like like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, and leave us a five star rating on iTunes for our special guest. Doctor Jonathan Brown and for my co host Sim, this is Mahin, signing off for the Mad Mum loops. Asalam